Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, oh, come on, you're in the right place. I always say it, I always mean it, and we think it's true. Almost 950,000 people around the world think it's true, too, so welcome. And let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from i-scoop.eu, and let me read what they say. Quote, it's clear that AI, that's artificial intelligence, and robotics will change the face of sales. AI enables salespeople to predict where sales potential is highest and where opportunities emerge amidst changing market conditions, unquote. That statement is so packed with buzzwords and keywords. Let me just pull a couple out for you. AI and robotics, they're here. Changing the face of sales. What is the face of sales? Who is sales? Who are sales? Salespeople, part of the same thing. And predicting, well, we'd love to predict, wouldn't we, with clarity and with insight and with knowledge and with facts. That's the goal. And where opportunities emerge, another key phrase, and changing market conditions. This tells a story. So let's do a reality check. Buying and selling have changed dramatically in the digital age. It's here, whether you like it or not, and nothing is the same. Traditional sales methodologies, eh, put them away. They're not going to work the way they used to. Maybe they won't work at all. Don't waste your time. So here's the dilemma for salespeople. What do you do? So picture this. The world of digital leaves data point breadcrumbs of a buyer's behavior. You know you can find out so much about someone, where they've been, where you think they're going, online. And think about this. The world of artificial intelligence never gives up. It never sleeps. It never makes a mistake. And it never misses opportunities. So let's go boom, pow, just like a sci-fi movie. When these two worlds collide, their synergy could solve your challenges. And now I want everybody to say, aha, this is the aha moment. I have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure out what this all means, decode it, and figure out what it means to you and our audience around the world. And thank you so much to our loyal listeners. We do appreciate you. First up, in a moment, I will be introducing somebody who's been on many times, Bernie Borges, the CMO at a company called Vengresso, and he'll remind us what they do. Joining him is another returning panelist, Paul Tashima. If you want to look him up, T-E-S-H-I-M-A, the CEO and co-founder at Nudge, N-U-D-G-E dot A-I. He'll tell us what he does. And rounding out the panel... A lady I know well from SAP, she's the head of regional engagement and social selling, and she is the sponsor of our ongoing series called Changing the Game with Social Selling, Kirsten Boylo. So welcome to my three esteemed panelists. Thanks for taking time out of your busy work to join me. Bernie Borges has sent us a quote from Elizabeth Lesser. Never heard of her? Well, she is the co-founder and senior advisor of Omega Institute. Interesting, the largest adult education center in the U.S., very, very interesting, the author of Broken Open, How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow, and A Seeker's Guide, Making Your Life a Spiritual Adventure. I don't know what she has to do with social selling, but the quote is great. Here we go. Don't persuade, defend, or interrupt. Be curious, be conversational, be real, and listen. Oh, I love the quote. Bernie Borges, how have you been? Wonderful, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me back. 
We are delighted to have you back always, Bernie. Tell me about this quote. I think it's uh, words for living, for life, not just for, for selling. So tell me how it relates to our topic. We're talking about the changing face of sales today, Bernie. Well, first of all, Bonnie, you just nailed it. It is really a quote that we can apply in all aspects of our life. But we, of course, are here to talk about B2B sales. And B2B selling, whether you go back 30 years ago or in modern day 2018, we have to be conversational. We have to be curious with our prospective customers. We have to be real, authentic, human. And, of course, we have to be good listeners. I can date myself and tell you about the training I went through decades ago and listening was at the top of the list before you could present any solutions. So love this quote. Absolutely. Now, now, what part, if you had to pick one part, and I think I know which one I would pick, Bernie, out of this whole quote, it's like it's made for social selling today, made for digital, especially for, especially for B2B, but a little bit for B2C. What part of this quote would you say is the most important? If you had a group of people in front of you and you, you were teaching them about social selling, what would be the most important part that they have to know and have to listen carefully to? Oops, I gave it away. What would you pick, Bernie? I, I would pick, you know, if you're going to ask me to just pick one, I would pick be conversational because with the buyer ah. going through their journey anywhere from 60 to 70 plus percent of the way on their own, in order to engage that buyer in a meaningful way, we've got to be conversational. And that, of course, means you're going to have to be curious to understand, you know, what problems they're trying to solve. You're going to have to be human. Of course, you're going to have to listen and we all know that in sales to be conversational, we want to be listening more than talking, but I would say be conversational is the one that I would prioritize. Thank you. And I was going to go with and listen, thinking you have to listen to what you think they're trying to say and what you think they want. But I like conversational. I think they go hand in hand. Bernie, they one do. quick they question. Do, yeah. One quick question for you. Is AI a boost or a bust for digital selling today? So short answer is it's a boost, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more conversation around that. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. It was just a teaser question. Now let's turn to Paul Tashima at Nudge.ai, and I'll ask both Bernie and Paul when we get to the What's in Your Cup Today section what they do. And here's a wonderful quote Paula sent us from the Australian rock band ACDC, Little History, formed in Sydney in 1973 by brothers Malcolm and Angus Young. It's a hard rock, blues rock band, and their music has also been called heavy metal. But here's what they call themselves, quote, a rock and roll band, nothing more, nothing less. They've sold more than 200 million records worldwide, and they ranked fourth on VH1's list of the 100 greatest artists of hard rock of all time. There you go. And now let me read the quote. Paul, this is a winner also. No stop signs, speed limit, nobody's going to slow me down. Paul Tashima, welcome back. How are you? Great, Bonnie. Thank you. I was uh, looking at my, my high school yearbook because I turned 46 on uh, Monday, and I saw that quote, and I thought, wow, that would be so great to apply to what we need to think about in terms of AI and sales, because I think it's happening. I think, um, uh, like Bernie said, uh, already adding some value, and if you're a salesperson, you need to think about how you're going to adopt it in your, in your daily life. So no stop signs, no speed limits. I talked in my opening, Paul. I said that AI never sleeps, never misses an opportunity. Uh, let's see where I'm looking here. It never gives up. It never makes a mistake. So that part about nobody's going to slow me down, do you think that's AI or should this be the mantra of the modern seller? What do you think? Or both? 
I, I think it's a bit of both. I think that the thing to think about is that it's really the customer or the buyer who's now in control, as, as Bernie mentioned as well. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why is social selling working? Well, because that's where the customers are. Uh, they're digitally enabled. They're on social networks. Um, that's where you need to be the seller. Um, why is AI something to think about adopting, and why do you need to use it and, and, and make sure that you're taking advantage of it? Because it actually allows you to have better and more conversations and higher quality interactions. It's really not taking the place of a sales rep, but it's going to prop them up to give them those better chances to really engage their customers. Thank you very much. By the way, Paul, does this come from a particular song? I didn't look up the quote per se. Is this from a from a song from ACDC or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's Highway to Hell. <laughs> well, I'm sure glad I asked. Now I have to look it up. Let's see if I can get a quick Get a quick answer here of my, yes, Highway to Hell lyrics. You're absolutely right. Um, let's see. You can get it on Spotify, Deezer. I don't even know what that is. Right. No stop sign, speed limit. Nobody's going to slow me down. Like a wheel going to spin it. Nobody's going to mess me around. There you go. And my engineer is saying, it's a classic. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> and he's, he's about half your age, Paul. So this, this must be a classic. Thank you, Paul. I learned something. And now let's go to our third panelist. She's back. She's the sponsor of our special dedicated series on social selling. It's Kirsten Boylo. And Kirsten has picked a quote from Francis of Assisi, a saint born Giovanni di Pietra di Bernardone, informally named Francesco, an Italian Catholic friar, deacon, and preacher. He founded the Men's Order of Friars Minor, the Women's Order of St. Clair, the Third Order of St. Francis, and the Custody of the Holy Land, and he is one of the most venerated religious figures in history. He arranged, I don't know if you know this, Kirsten, in the year 1223, he arranged for the first live Christmas nativity scene. There you go. So he certainly has some, some cloud in the world of religion, and here's the quote. Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. Kirsten, welcome back. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks, Bonnie. Good to be here. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me about this quote. Very interesting. How does it relate to our topic? It's it's a good one. Well, I just uh, I was looking at that, and I thought, you know, that really relates to to the way that we're trying to break new ground um, with AI, uh, same as we did with social selling back a couple of years ago. Uh, and for some people, you know, social selling is still new, not many, but uh, for some it is still new. Um, and now AI is kind of taking that next, uh, is that kind of the next big thing? And people look at it and go, oh, I don't know if I, how would it work? How is it going to impact my sales um, methodology? You know, is it going to work? Is it going to, you know, how is it going to impact the customer? All of those things. And uh, I really felt that it just, it just applied to that whole topic of AI and, and breaking new ground and trying new things. Absolutely. Would this be something if you were teaching a group of newcomers to the world of introducing them, Kirsten, to the world of social selling, digital sales, everything we're talking about today, would you tell them uh, you can do it, that you think it's something you don't know or you don't have the skill set or you don't have the patience, but if you keep at it, you can do the impossible, you can be a digital selling star? Is this something you would use to encourage people? Oh, absolutely. Right. We talk to people all the time who are struggling, um, who want to be good at their roles and want to do uh, right by their customers, and they just they get lost 
um, because social can be a very big, big, big world, and there's so much going on in it, and so much information passes through it uh, that I think people can get lost very easily. So. Absolutely. Thank you, Kirsten. You know what? We're going to have you reconnect because your line is getting all digitally, and where you're breaking up. So why don't you call right back, and Aaron will take you as soon as you dial back. Okay? Yep. Good. And we'll we'll start our roundtable of, of what's up next. Uh, we'll start our roundtable with uh, what's in your cup and what do you do. And I'll be talking to Bernie and Paul about their companies. And by then you will have dialed back in. So let's do that so we can hear you more clearly. Okay. So let's go around the table. Bernie Borges at Vengresso. Bernie, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Vengresso. You're the CMO. I have had the pleasure of meeting and speaking on many of our Game Changer shows with Many of your colleagues, Kurt Shaver and Vivica Von Rosen and Mario Martinez Jr. and I think a couple of others. So, Bernie, why don't you tell us what the company does and then tell me where you are and tell me what you love to drink. All right, fantastic. I do want to add Bryn Tillman in there because that was the only yes, co-founder of and partner at Vengresso that, uh, that, that you didn't mention. So, yes, so Vengresso is um, the largest service provider in North America that helps companies, B2B companies, uh, essentially do what I said earlier uh, in terms of you asking what the priority was, and that's conversations. We help salespeople have more conversations with their qualified buyers by teaching them digital selling strategies and tactics and also helping them uh, gain and access and distribute the content that they need to engage with those buyers to have those meaningful conversations. So that's what Vengresso does. Thank you. And you want to – go ahead. I'm sorry. Where are you calling from, and what do you love to drink the most? Yeah, so I'm calling from Palm Harbor, Florida, which is a suburb of Tampa. I am sorry to report for anyone who is in cold country, because I was looking at the temperatures around the country, and for some reason, a lot of cities have forgotten that it's spring, but it's in the high 70s here in central <laughs> Florida. So yes. sorry about that for anyone that's in cold country. And... Um, at the moment, since we're recording this live, uh, late in the morning, I don't currently have something in my cup, but the most recent drink in my cup was a strong cup of French roast coffee, black, no cream, no sugar, just straight French roast, strong coffee. Mm, I bet that was good. Where did you have it, mm. and was it in a special cup or a special occasion, Bernie? Uh, you know, I, I do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, I just brew it in, in, a, in a coffee maker um, at home, and this way I can control how strong I make it, Bonnie, because I like it nice and strong. I like it where I can put the spoon in it with, with no cream or sugar, and it almost stands by itself. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you, dear. I'm with you, but you know about me and caffeine. We'll talk about know, that later. Th- yeah, you know, you've been on enough times. You could probably do my little quip about, yes, we'll talk later. Thank you, Bernie. Welcome to the show again. Paul Tashima, tell me about nudge.ai, and then where are you calling from, and what do you love to drink? Thanks, Bonnie. Well, you know, every rep has had the problem where they've lost a deal, and, and then coincidentally they bump into someone in the hall who says, oh, my God, I wish you told me they were working at that account. I, I went to college with a decision maker, and you're like, oh, I wish I knew that earlier. And, you know, what we do is we solve that problem by tracking the strength of people's networks and relationships at a business and let sellers know who can give them a, a referral into an account with a strong relationship. Um, and it's something that we think is really important in the day and age where there's so much noise and so much outbound automation that buyers 
really are looking to their people they know first before they actually encounter uh, work with a salesperson. Um, I am here in Toronto, and unlike in Tampa, or sorry, unlike in Central Florida, it, it, we just went through an ice storm so bad that um, 10 foot chunks of ice were falling off the CN Tower and they'd shut down some of the do- downtown core because it was dangerous. Um, and wow. uh, so luckily, I made it into the office today. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're okay. We've had quite a weather system down here in Durham, North Carolina. I'll talk about that in a minute. It's been scary. I think all over the country for a couple of days. And what do you love to drink? What powers you? And how did you pick the name Nudge for your company? Or how how was that? You're a co-founder. So what did you have to do with that, Paul? I'm so intrigued with that. Yeah, you know, we ran something called the ground floor session where we brought in some outsiders from different sectors of the industry to really try and understand the essence of what we wanted to impart with our name. And it was this idea that. You know, we want people to, we want the application to nudge people to do more and be more proactive with the relationships. But at the same time, we want to use the application to nudge others to build better relationships. And so sometimes we have this philosophy, if you do one nudge a day as a salesperson, you'll be great in your career. One nudge to someone that you care about or want to build a relationship with. Absolutely fascinating. I love the concept. And, and, you know, there's a way we say it. I'm from New York, as you probably know. Uh, Bernie, I don't know if you know this, but it, it, there's a term that's spelled N-U-D-G-E, Paul, and you're called a nudge if you, if you bother people too much. It's like, what kind what a nudge she is. What a nudge. Stop nudging me means, you know, pushy, elbowing, poking somebody uh, verbally, getting them to do something like, you didn't take the garbage out. Stop nudging me. Anyway, I I like nudge exactly the way you say it. Forgive me for the for the aside. I hope you will. So, <laughs> thank you very much. Did you give me your drink yet? I'm sidetracked here, Paul. Oh no, my my, my drink today is is a La Croix uh, lime soda because, as I mentioned, I just uh, turned 46 on Monday and I realized I need to hydrate more. So I would normally have just like Bernie <laughs> a steaming cup of very strong black coffee, but I'm trying to get a little better. Well, I'm looking here at La Croix. It's L-A-C-R-O-I-X. It comes in a green can, and uh, I'm seeing it all over the place. Office Depot carries it. Walmart carries it. Target carries it. La Croix Sparkling Water. And you can go to LaCroixWater.com and read all about it. Let's see. It's an American sparkling water distributed by. Do you know who, it's, who distributes it, Paul? I actually don't. You're going to love this. The Sundance Beverage Company, a subsidiary of National Beverage Corp. Though no sales records have been publicly released to back this claim, they say it holds a 30% market share. Wow. In sparkling water sales in the U.S. You can look it up. That's Wikipedia. It is huge. So they're so important that they have their own Wikipedia page. I always get a kick out of that. Thank you, Paul. And welcome back. And now Kirsten is back with us. I hear you're very clear now. So Kirsten, tell us a little bit about what you do, regional engagement, social selling at SAP, and then where are you today? Although I think I know. And what do you love to drink? Uh, Okay, well, to start with the first question, I actually um, manage three different teams here at SAP. I manage our regional engagement team, I manage our localization team, and I also manage our social selling team. Um, And where am I located today? I am, I don't think you know this, Bonnie, because I don't think I shared it with you, but I happen to be in Orlando, Florida. Oh, I thought you were, you know, where I thought you were in Waterloo. I thought you were we're up in your home base in Canada. So go ahead. So what are you doing in Uh, Orlando? I am at the SAP SMB, stands for Small Medium Sized Business Mm -hmm. uh, Summit. So it's our partner summit for all of our, uh, for our SMB uh, platforms and solutions. 
Very cool. I thought that was usually paired with Sapphire in Orlando. Are they doing it separately this year? I think I remember it was it was uh, the day before. Or am I wrong about that? Last year, uh, it's it's a separate one. It's, this is one of three. There was one in uh, Vietnam uh, back at the end of March. Last week was in Barcelona, and then this week is here in Orlando. Oh my! Well, I hope your weather's good in Orlando. What are you drinking now, or what's your favorite, favorite, favorite drink, Kirsten? The weather is much nicer here than it was. I left the ice storm back home in Toronto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm uh, very happy to be here. The weather is absolutely stunning. Uh, but I am drinking, let's see, I just, I just picked one up at the uh, coffee shop downstairs. It was a, it's Revolution Earl Grey Lavender Black Tea, and it's quite tasty. Revolution Earl Grey. Is there something revolutionary about it? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Let's see if I can find it. Okay, Earl Grey Revolution Tea. The award-winning Lavender Earl Grey Black Tea Blend from Revolution brings a new twist to a classic favorite. Darjeeling Estate, Salon, and Oolong tea leaves are flavored with a hint of oil of bergamot or bergamot and then joined with French Super Blue Lavender to add the perfect amount of. So go to Revolution Tea if anybody wants. Thank you, Kirsten. That was very interesting. Well, drink up. I hope you – I'm glad you're enjoying the good weather. Uh, I'm glad you are. Here in Durham, North Carolina, we had a tornado watch starting around ooh, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon Eastern time. Lasted till about midnight. We never got the tornado, but we got heavy rain. We got heavy wind. We got lightning. We got thunder. We got bolts of lightning that came right through the windows, crackling, and made me scream. I was alone, so nobody had to tell me, oh, you be quiet. Uh, I had to take everything off the porch and secure the furniture and bring the plants in, and it was quite an adventure, and it's been windy ever since. 37 degrees Fahrenheit yesterday morning. No, it's not warm in the south, kids, but it's going to be 81 today. What can I tell you? So the weather is all over the map, but we're very happy. We hope spring is finally arriving. It might just go right into summer. And now let's see what I'm drinking. Well, you all know, drink a cup of cool, clear water because Bernie and Paul, they don't let me near caffeine. That rule still holds after six years on Game Changers Radio. Can't put Bonnie with caffeine on a radio show day. It's just not going to work. So there. Yes, it's a cool, clear glass, and I have a yellow straw because I'm hoping the sun will come out and everything is good. So, no, not a pink straw, Aaron, a yellow straw today, yellow for sunshine. So if you're just joining us, we are revisiting a topic. Actually, Bernie and, well, Kirsten and Paul, do you remember the day? It was a special day that we did part one of this topic. Do you remember the day? Because I do. No? Yes? Uh, I remember it was Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's oh, Day, February 14th. Yes. And we have to do, I'm not going to sing, but Paul Tashima, happy, 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 happy birthday to you. Uh, you young one, you will just leave it at that. So thank you for sharing that with us. And glad you had a good birthday. We started this topic in February, and it was so interesting. We had so much more to talk about. I invited the panel back. So our topic specifically is digital sales meets AI, two worlds colliding Part two with Bernie Borges at Van Gresso, Paul Tashima at Nudge.ai, Kirsten Boylow at SAP. We're going to take a quick break so you know the drill. Don't even think of touching. Yes, that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the voice america talk radio network now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office just go to twitter.com forward slash voice america trn or follow along with us at voice america trn the voice america talk radio network we're on the cutting edge of social media can you keep up when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. Let's get back. We're talking about a very interesting topic, mostly B2B, but a little B2C here. Digital sales meets AI, two worlds colliding. My esteemed panelists are Bernie Borges at Vengresso, Paul Tashima at Nudge.ai, and Kirsten Boylow at SAP. We're going to start the roundtable in earnest, as my late beautiful mother used to say. I told her I dated a man named Ernest once, and she said to me, but is he sincere? It was a one-date wonder. So he wasn't. There we go. Here's the quote. I'm quoting some notes that Bernie sent me before the show. Here you go. 2018 is going to be the year every sales call has an AI, that's artificial intelligence listener, sitting in, silently transcribing the conversation and offering pointers and feedback real time. Bernie, all I can say is, wow, tell me more. Yeah, well, the... uh I'm curious about the impact it's going to have on the person who used to do that job, who used to be the yeah. one sitting in, because now we've got AI tech- technology that can silently listen in. So basically, we're talking about tools that are conversation-to-text tools. Uh, they're often used in call centers and inside sales organizations. And what they basically do, Bonnie, is they can not just transcribe the conversation, but but analyze the conversations and look for key sales metrics, look for the effectiveness of those sales conversations. So they're measuring things like not just the duration of the call, but during the call, were they asking the right probing questions, the right number of probing questions? Did they deliver the, the, the appropriate be- uh, descriptions and benefit statements? Did they, you know, do a trial close or even close when it was the right time to close? So these AI technologies can really analyze all that and kind of take the the judgment away from the human who's, who would 
in years past be sitting in on those calls and then making their own judgment on the quality of those calls. So it's going to be able to, well, not going to, it already is, serving up you know, signals that actually allow sales leaders to track the progress of the sales team that are on these sales calls so they can specifically hone in on the, the areas that those inside salespeople need to uh, really you know, focus on and improve upon. So they're really analysis tools that, that are analyzing both sides of the conversation, both the, the seller and the buyer, and providing real actionable guidance to the reps and, of course, sales leaders so that they can improve the quality and the effectiveness of those sales conversations. Bernie, tell me something. How will you listen or get the insights from the AI listener? I want to get Paul and Kirsten on this, but will you hear it on a recording? Will you get a transcript? Will you get a digital text message? How will you glean those insights? What's the process? Well, it's going to vary from tool to tool, you know, because these are companies that are providing these technologies. But in general, it's a, it's a mix of a transcription, a report, charts, that, that are going to measure certain metrics, you know, things like duration, like I said earlier, probing questions, benefit statements, closing questions, and all that will be charted out, charted out so that sales leaders can visually see sort of in a dashboard, funny, how each rep is performing across those key sales metrics. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Let's get Paul Tashima at Nudge.ai to comment on this. Paul, what do you think? Do you agree? It's here. It's it's AI listeners. Is the job going to be taken away? What's your observation? Uh, it's here. I, I don't know if a job will be taken away, and I'll explain that in a second. But I, I know I, I recently did a – I know one of the CEOs of one of these companies called Chorus.ai, and he showed me some incredible stats that said that, uh, to Bernie's point, they can get into such detail. They found that when a salesperson brings up action items during uh, calls more often, they actually will get up to a 7% increase in close rate if action items and tangible move, things to move things forward are discussed early in the call. And it's another 6% if you have the customer starting to say that. So 13% difference in close rate if you talk more about action items and what moves the ball forward to get this deal done, and then you have the customer really believing in that path. So pretty incredible, detailed best practices you can use. I think the question I would have is, um, yes, I do think this takes place as some of what managers used to do, but I think in, in another way, they have to better learn how to understand this type of data and how to use it. And does it actually change the DNA of your frontline sales management, Bernie? I don't, I don't know. What would you think? Do you think the sales, or Kristen, do you think mm-hmm. the, the sales manager DNA needs to change a little with this type of data and this type of technology being used to help with coaching? Let's get Bernie first and then Kirsten to chime in. Go ahead, Bernie. What's your thought? Well, for one thing, it takes all the subjectivity out of it. I mean, we, we've all experienced and we've heard salespeople sort of complain, well, I don't think that assessment was fair or accurate. Well, now, you know, when you hand it over to uh, an AI system that has all this intelligence, you, you pull all the subjectivity out of it. So the role of the sales leader now is to interpret that and then coach the salespeople and, and be able to pull out of the fact that there was no subjectivity in this analysis. So I'm going to coach you based on the feedback that we got from the, t- from the tool. Paul? Yeah, that, I completely agree that allows, allows the, um, uh, the, the manager to be more a judge versus lawyer, as they say. Mm, very interesting. This is all new insights to me. Kirsten, love to get your thoughts. You work in this diligently every day. Uh, you agree with, with the observation about the AI listener and the value and, and how it helps the salesperson? 
Yeah, I do. And, I, and if you think about it from the customer perspective, um, someone who is coming across as more knowledgeable about them, more empathetic, more uh, in tune with um, the way that they're responding to, uh, you know, the probing questions or the um, those action items, that kind of thing. Getting that, re- so I'm thinking about it from a different feedback from mm-hmm. or a different perspective in terms of, you know, getting that immediate feedback on the call, but also, um, and so thinking about it in that way, we we've got. Uh, you from a customer perspective, you're going to have much more. Um, to my mind, they'll feel more comfortable. They'll be more um, amenable to the idea of moving forward with someone who really seems to get them and understand them. And then if you look at it from the sales management perspective and be, and having that kind of data analysis, I would absolutely agree that it, it does take the subjectivity out of it. I think where the subjectivity could perhaps creep back in is if a sales manager does not have the skills needed to coach on certain aspects of, um, you know, the, where the data shows uh, that, you know, this aspect needs more help. And if, if that sales manager doesn't have great skills in that area, they, they may need um, some, some coaching themselves to, to be able to uh, coach their teams. Thank you very much. Bernie, you started this. Any comments back to Kirsten on hers or Paul? So I, th- what I want to um, just call attention to that both I think Kirsten and Paul um, called attention to is and, and I didn't really address this too much on the front end, and that is that this feedback is also available in real time. So imagine mm-hmm. a salesperson who's on a call with a prospective buyer, and the system is giving them feedback in the moment, in real time, on the conversation, suggesting benefit statements, suggesting essentially you know, where to take the conversation, suggesting insights into what uh, is being interpreted from the buyer's side of the conversation. So that, that real-time feedback can, can potentially be game-changing. I think an interesting aspect of it is training sales professionals to be able to handle that real-time feedback and act on it and act on it in a way that doesn't sort of call out the AI tool. Like you don't want a salesperson saying, like making it obvious that, you know, somebody, something's just been prompted to them in the moment that they need to respond to. They need to be very natural about it. Mm-hmm. Coming back to at the beginning of the con- this whole call, we talked about how conversation is what I would prioritize. Yes. So that AI tool that's going to prompt me as the salesperson in real time on where to take the conversation, I need to do that in a natural way so that it's natural with the buyer that I'm talking to. Thank you. Natural is, is such a curious word for me to hear, Bernie, when we think of AI and all this transcribing. And, and I'm Paul, what I'm thinking about is the word nudge, and I use the word nudge, whether the, the AI, whatever it is, is saying to the salesperson, ask this question, bring this point up, segue, ask them what the basketball game was and where they were last night, and find a common ground, and be conversational. Is it going to be seen as nudging, nudging, or hey, get out of my way, especially for, a, I'll call it a venerable salesperson who's been doing it for a long time. Leave me alone. Let me quickly go around the panel. Do they welcome this? Do they appreciate it? Or do they say, get out of my way? Bernie, what's what's the, the, the reaction of real humans to this kind of quote-unquote help? What do, you, uh, what do you see? I think it's all in the delivery on how the salesperson delivers it. 
So I'm looking at, a, at an email right now in my inbox, and my nudge window is telling me who a common collaborator is on an individual. So how I use that information, how I deliver that information uh-huh. is really what's going to, in my opinion, going to drive how the reaction, how he reacts on the other end. So Very if, I'm, if I'm too mm-hmm. direct... And and unnatural with it, then it could be a negative reaction. But if I'm very authentic about it um, and casual about it, then it could be a positive. It should be a positive reaction. Thank you. Paul, what's the reaction? What do you observe? Yeah, I think that it is what AI should be doing is making, giving the reps better, the sales field better opportunities to engage. And, And how they do it is still up to them. And that's where that skill is still human to human. I mean, interpret, using that data, to, to Bernie's point, can be done terribly. You could say, I've been stalking you, and I've noticed that this is someone you know that I know, and it, it comes off completely the wrong way. But using it in an authentic approach that's going to be taking into account who your customer is, I think it can be incredibly powerful. And so we, I do believe that the best use cases of AI are, are a little invisible uh, behind mm-hmm. the scenes doing the work so that the salesperson can have those more authentic engagements. Thank you. I like the word authentic in there. Kirsten, what's your thought? Appreciated, annoyed, how do people react? Well, I actually want to jump off the the word that Paul just used, the authenticity. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think if a salesperson really does their homework and utilizes the tools in the right way to engage with um, with authenticity with their customers. That's when it will become it will come off as um, very authentic, for lack of a better term. Uh, very, um, you know, they're they're meant they're trying to be helpful. They're not trying to just sell you. Uh, they want to have those conversations. They want to um, help you succeed. And that is, uh, is all, but it, that, it really is up to, um, as Paul mentioned, it really is up to the salesperson to take that information and use it in a natural way, use it uh, and weave it into the conversation without it becoming very obvious that they've used um, artificial intelligence to, to find out this information or to understand their customer better. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to something very interesting and very basic from Paul's notes. Paul, you told me before the show, and I think we covered this on part one, but it bears repeating, so forgive me for this. Paul says, in my opinion, and Paul, the way I I interpret that is IMHO, in my humble opinion, you say the only tools ubiquitously used by sales today are, everybody write these down, a cell phone, an email client, a Google search, and recently a LinkedIn profile, which is CRM, Customer Relationship Management for Sales Management. And you say this means it is very hard for new tools to be adopted. So let's look at this from the who is adopting the new tools. Paul, is management saying we are going to have AI sitting next to you, transcribing, making suggestions, just what we talked about? Or is it something that a salesperson would say, I know there's an AI tool out there and I'm going to get it or I want my company to invest in this. So who brings the new tools on and who's having trouble adopting them? Paul? So I will say this, and, and um, you know, I, I definitely feel there's a little bit of um, uh, uh, tool proliferation in the sales organization today. Uh, I think there was some stat that the average number of tools in any sales organization is, is 30 plus now. Um, so I would say, from a sales management perspective, I'm I'm hearing a lot 
that they want to reduce the number of the tools. They want their reps to pick up the phone more, uh, make some calls, and, and try and build those authentic connections. I think where AI has um, a potential differentiation leg up is if you think of that call example that Bernie was talking about, where it's working behind the scenes, it's transcribing calls, it's trying to be smart about what you're doing and adding real value in real time, um, it's not really a new tool that the, the rep has to adopt. Uh, they actually are doing their same workflow, same calls, but they're just getting help through that process. And I think that that's where AI can really be the next best ubiquitous invisible tool uh, for sales reps to use uh, across the board. Thank you. I liked Invisible, and yes, okay. So, Kirsten, what do you think? Agree or disagree? And and let's go back to the basic, the core of Paul's statement, a cell phone, an email client, Google search, and a LinkedIn profile. And I know you're you're very involved with uh, teaching and coaching people on how to make your LinkedIn profile, not just about you, but about what you can do for people. So, Kirsten, what are your thoughts on the basic tools and on the adoption of the new ones? I think the basic tools are... You know, they're very important, and they're like the foundation of, of the way that a sales team goes to market. Um, and then what you build on top of that has to be very strategic, it has to be very focused, and it has to truly bring value. With AI, I think, as Paul said, it can be an invisible add-on that brings a lot of value to, to the uh, sales um, reps uh, way of working uh, by giving him him or her the um, the right information, the right background for each call that they make. That you know they utilize that that uh, cell phone and they um, have the information sitting in front of them. You know they have they've got the LinkedIn profile, they've got the Google search, and they've got this AI that that tells you you know what's the best way to approach them or what they're working on right now or all of these things, gathering it all up together for you in that one space. And um, not that they have to access something, but it's just served up to them in a way that it makes it very natural, and they can utilize that. I think that's what brings the value. I, I, Beyond those four tools, it has to bring a lot of value, and it has to bring uh, be very strategic in the way that you build your um, your tool set for your sales team. Because I, I I would absolutely agree. I I hear from our own sales uh, organization who I talk to, you know, on a biweekly or every other every other day basis. I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, they have so many tools, and they don't, you know, and there's crossovers and there's duplications and. And that's always a problem. So I would say that AI can bring a lot of value while not being kind of in your face and uh, and taking a lot of time and extra effort to leverage. Thank you, Kirsten. I have a quick uh, tactical question for you, Kirsten, if you don't mind. LinkedIn profiles, we tend to do them and leave them and forget about them. How often should you update your LinkedIn profile? I'm not talking about every day or week, but review it every six months, especially if you change jobs or if you get a new role, or if you have more achievements. How often should people, because I will tell you that frequently I look up guests on various Game Changers shows on LinkedIn and the title on their profile doesn't match what they sent me in their bio. I don't even know if the bio is old or the LinkedIn, or they don't have a title at all. They just talk about what they do, but there's no title. So how often should somebody update? I'm sorry, Paul and and Bernie, but I have to do this sidebar with Kirsten. How often should people update their LinkedIn profile, Kirsten? I think they should at least review it every six months. 
Make sure okay. the information is up to date. Um, and definitely, in that, if in that six months you get a new role, you need to update it then as well. But I'd take a look at it every six months, make sure the information is current, because I think everybody achieves something of value in a six-month period, and they may want to add something. Maybe perhaps it's uh, some... some um, uh, like a, a new video that they want to add to their profile, mm. something along those lines. If they're not using it on a daily basis to to um, engage and promote thought leadership from themselves, then it, then they should at least check it every six months and make sure it's still accurate. Thank you very much. Little advice there from lady who knows what she's doing. Thank you very much. And now let's go around the table quickly. I'm going to go back to Paul. Bernie, your comments on the tools. Let me get those and I'm going to have Paul wrap it and then I have something very important to look at in Kirsten's notes. So, Bernie, what do you think about the tools? Agree? Disagree? Yeah, I want to come back to something that Paul said. You know, he he Mm -hmm. said that sales leaders feel like there's too many tools and they want to reduce the number of tools. They want their reps to have more conversations. And of course, that's in line with what I said earlier. And so AI, and then Kirsten said, AI should add value. So what I'm thinking is that there probably needs to be some training for salespeople to understand how the tool can, in fact, add value. And I would even downplay the whole AI angle, maybe even not even talk about that. It's just a tool. And the tool is going to make suggestions in real time. And I think salespeople need to go through some role-playing which, of course, is common training anyway, and get comfortable using the tools with the suggestions that are being made so that, in fact, it can help them have more better conversations and, to Kirsten's point, add value to those sales conversations. Thank you very much. Paul, quick wrap-up from you. Any thoughts you'd like to add to what your co-panelists shared? I think I think the um, the headline and, and what I take away from this discussion is that you know sales salespeople um, although there are many tools out there it's hard to get a technology adopted fully because uh, of the fact that they are so focused on what they know and how they've how they've sort of grown up through their career and so to actually get a new tool adopted it really does need to add value and I really agree with Bernie that we often forget the training and role-playing and actually taking something and using it in their conversational flow is the most critical aspect of getting these things adopted and something that, that really needs to be done more often. Thank you very much. Kirsten, I'm looking at something in your notes here. I'm very intrigued by this. You say, another application for AI in the sales cycle. Everybody listen up. Look at a customer's current state or status and build a model that highlights the most likely future problems they will experience and future proof for that potential. And we're talking, of course, about predictive modeling. Kirsten, this sounds exciting. It sounds productive. It sounds like everybody should be doing it. Are they? Are they not? Give me a little more information, please. Well, if you think about the the sales executive in their role, and instead of acting uh, in a very transactional manner, they're acting more as consultants uh, and transforming their customers. Uh, this is where I see this this piece um, really taking shape. They they look at that uh, the customer's current state, and and they can and they use AI tools to build a predictive model around that uh, current state, and then kind of help the customer dream as to where they want to go and what they want to do and, and then what do, we, what do they need to do to get there? Uh, and what other problems are they going to experience along the way and help them um, future-proof for those, for those challenges um, to be able to meet those dreams, meet those goals, and, and really grow and transform. That's what a customer wants to do. That I, I, don't, I don't think I know any um, business 
that wants to just stay where they are. Um, they, they all have um, goals and, and visions as to what they want to do, how they, can, how they can get there, and how they can do what they're currently doing better. Uh, and I think by um, utilizing something like this, uh, this predictive modeling, something along those lines, that would uh, give the, the sales rep to have a completely different conversation um, around uh, how, they, how this customer can move forward. Um, that, I think, will be really important as we move uh, forward with AI technology. Thank you very much. Very intriguing. Bernie Borges, you're sitting next to Kirsten on the other side of the table. Let me move over to you and Bernie. What do you think about this future-proofing concept? Agree, disagree? Well, I think future-proofing is a big topic because Mm -hmm. it can mean so many different things. It can be across the spectrum of competition. It can be on the spectrum of the use of technology, uh, improving and streamlining processes. So uh, I think in the context of using predictive modeling, I think it's helping the customer understand what's next as much as they understand it themselves or even better than they understand it themselves. And then being able to communicate it to the customer in a credible way so that it's believable to the customer and Mm -hmm. then they're willing to engage in conversation with you on how to take action on that so that, it, in fact, it can be, you can relate it back to the whole future-proofing model, but again, in a very credible way to the customer. So credibility is key. We're almost ready for our predictions. Paul, I'm going to let you chime in on this, and then, Bernie, get ready for your 60 seconds of predictive glory, talking about predictive models. Go ahead, Paul. What do you think? I, I love this uh, statement by Kirsten, uh, because I do think it is where the future goes with AI, is getting much more predictive. I think the, the inherent challenge that many companies face is that in order to get there, your data needs to be available to be able to pull together the right, uh, the right areas so that you can make more accurate predictions that are trustworthy and credible. And the good thing about AI is it can deal with data that is not as well put together as, say, other types of technologies before they try to do this. So I think we have the best shot. But I do think inherently there is a large data problem lurking or the elephant in the room to enable this to happen at many corporations. Interesting. I think we just had your prediction, but I'll give you another 60 seconds for a real prediction. Kirsten, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the predictions with Bernie. Then I'm going to jump to Kirsten because I didn't get your feedback on that. And then, Paul, you'll wrap this up. So, Bernie Borges, 60 seconds. Take a look at that crystal ball. Let's do between 20 and 25. What can you see at Vingresso and what's going to change dramatically about digital sales meets AI? Bernie, go. Well, as digital selling incorporates more AI-powered technologies, it is going, it already is, but it's going to escalate salespeople's close rates. And while I think I'm reluctant to predict what those close rates will increase to, I think that's very crystal ball, too crystal ball for me anyway. But what I'm predicting is that we are going to see accelerated productivity, accelerated win rates among sales teams who are leveraging AI technologies, provided that they're given the training, as I mentioned earlier. I think training is important. They understand how to harness them. And then as they harness them, I think we're going to see dramatically improved win rates. Thank you. And who wouldn't love that, Bernie Borges at Vingresso? Thank you. (laughs) Kirsten, I'm going to float around the table to you. Paul, you're going to wrap this up for me. Kirsten, go ahead and uh, tell me 60 seconds. What do you see changing dramatically digitally in sales and AI? I'm going to 
to go back to, you know, the, the whole predictive modeling uh, topic. I, I think that that is, I, I did a bit of searching to try and find some information. Is anybody talking about this? Is this something new? And I didn't find much of anything where predictive modeling was added into the sales cycle. And, uh, and, and so maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think it's a brand new kind of idea that could uh, really take off in, um, in providing the best uh, customer experience for everyone involved and, and making sure that uh, we really move from that transactional um, environment to a transformational environment for our customers. Thank you, Kirsten. I'm going to quote a line from Michael Bublé's song, Feeling Good, which is one of my favorites. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. Feeling good. What do you think? Good future out there for AI and Absolutely. sales? Absolutely. I love it. There you go. Oh, I'm glad. I just just occurred to me, and I Google it. He's standing in front of some gorgeous car in a in a garage somewhere. It looks like he's ready to race it, and he's singing good things. Paul Tashima, you can wrap it up. I have Paul breaking news. You get 90 seconds because they were so concise. Take them, use them. Go ahead, predict. Fantastic. So I, I think that uh, if you think about what's happened, and I was uh, my background is I was a founding executive at a company called Eloqua in the marketing automation space, and automation mm-hmm. has done a lot of good, but also has started kind of gone a little too far. We've seen a huge wave where quantity is trumping quality these days in marketing and sales, and I feel that in the future, AI will allow us to put quality in front of quantity, and I think that's really important because the buyers yes. and customers today are already a little fed up with the amount of of pure volume of outreach and, and engagement, and I think they're looking for those quality relationships with salespeople again. And so I do believe that will be the future where AI will take us and move CRM from what's been traditionally record management to really to relationship management, and that's really what it's about. Thank you very much. And Kirsten, I'm going to give you another 30 seconds for predictions. What's coming up on your series, Changing the Game in Social Selling? Do you know what your next topic is? You've got a show coming up soon. I... Don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Kirsten, we just gave you a really good topic. If you want to go back, I, I stole, I poached your panel for this one. And if you want to take it back, I, I think AI, machine learning, all of those are absolutely think, fascinating. Yeah, there's so much conversation that can happen around this topic. There's, there's so many different aspects to it. And, uh, and I think, you know, there's, there's still so much uh, that can be talked about for sure. Thank you. We did talk about KPIs yesterday on your series. We talked about making what counts count. And we all know that famous quote that actually was William Bruce Cameron and not Albert Einstein. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. So it's just about time for me to wrap up this party. I can't thank the three of you enough. Bernie, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And Bernie, you just look like a TV show host with that smile, like you're on a game show somewhere. And I just want to go and win prizes with you. So I love the PR Anytime, photo. Anytime. But Thank you, Paul. Uh, happy birthday. I hope you had a wonderful one. Just keep on being smart and be who you are and enjoy your lemon soda. And Kirsten, I can't believe you're, you are managing three teams at SAP. I'm sure one is enough and, and you're certainly doing a lion's share of work. So thank you so, so much. And Kirsten, I have to do a shout out to your colleague. We call him AJ, uh, yeah. Mohammed Arif. He's awesome. And he's just doing a wonderful job working on your series with me. And I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate his health. So now it's time for all 
call to action. I have stalled long enough, so here we go. Shout out to Aaron, our venerable and inveterate engineer at World Talk Radio, the business channel. Aaron, you rock, and here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Do I have to nudge you? There, Paul, I said it the right way. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Bernie Borges at Vingresso with all of his colleagues, just like Paul Tashima at Nudge.ai, and just like Kirsten Boylo at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back with a live show tomorrow. Consumer Industries changing the game. We're going to talk about retail. How do you really do customer engagement? And is it true what Warren Buffett said? Brick and mortar is dead. I'm not sure it is yet. So tune in 11, I'm sorry, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.